Welcome to Supply Chain Radio. My name is Greg Kiefer, and today I've got a special guest, Dave Adams. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you, Greg. Happy to be here. So, Dave, you've got a pretty interesting job. You're in an innovation role, and you're out in the field with a lot of very, very large companies helping drive innovation into their supply chains. And I thought we'd spend a few minutes talking a little bit about the kinds of value that these companies are getting. It's interesting because the word innovation itself is one of these fluffy words that make a lot of people's eyes roll back in the back of their head and say, oh, here we go, innovation. And to be honest, the focus of my role is taking something that's kind of fluffy like that and making it very real and credible. That's not always easy to do in supply chain because there's a lot of fluffy words that get thrown out like efficiency and inventory management. And it's kind of a leap to go from those kind of big value words to understand what's really changing that's going to impact those levers. From your perch in some of these very intense engagements where you really are doing some radical breakthrough things, maybe we could talk about some that are a little off the radar from what the typical value would be in a supply chain visibility use case. I'll give you a high-tech example, which I came across the other day. It started out in a fairly simple way around a discussion linked to container utilization, which is, you know, you ship these containers around the world and how full are they? And we did some analysis looking at some data and understood that for this company, at least, the containers were not in large part empty, but there was a lot of empty space. They were shipping a lot of air, if you will. So there was some analysis that was done and some innovative processes put in place to kind of make some changes so that they could be fuller. And of course, it's like a trick question, right? The logical question is, well, if you're at some dock in China and someone's filling up a container with stuff, they don't magically decide to stop filling it up when it's 67% utilized and pull up another container. What's really going on over there with visibility or software that can change the reality of your supply chain? And that's where a lot of brains kind of get fried and they kind of stop and say, well, it's creative and it's innovation. You slip into this fuzzy land. But this was a great example because there's a real story behind it. So if you look at what was going on, in fact, they really did have these containers that were leaving the facilities at low utilization. And as you might expect, they couldn't get any fuller because they were shipping all the stuff that they had from that facility. So the analysis that was done was fairly straightforward. They weren't using a consolidator, so they weren't shipping all the freight to a central consolidation location to then be packaged together. They didn't have one. They didn't want one. They didn't think they needed one. But they did something very pragmatic and tactical, which they looked in the zip code area, found out they have lots of supply centers, and they actually started rerouting the containers at origin to kind of do a little origin milk run, if you will. Go from one facility when you're not filled, look at the utilization from facility number two. And if you're smart about the way you do that, you can fairly tactically and simply get your utilization numbers up by taking the container from location one, taking it over to location two instead of just taking it to the port, opening it up, filling it up a little fuller maybe to a third, and sending it on. And this is real dollars. I mean, if you look at the volume of containers that get shipped, and at the end of the year, you're ultimately shipping fewer containers at $3,000 a pop, if you will, you you can, in this case, save actually millions of dollars in just not moving containers that you would have had to move. So it's a very real, measurable, credible value prop. It's about not shipping as many containers as you used to and still getting the same volume of product from point A to point B. How does a visibility solution make that happen, say, if you didn't have visibility? What is the role that the technology plays? I call it visibility with a capital V, right? So a lot of people think visibility is, where's my stuff? And I need to query it and track and trace and look for it and I see it and seeing it's better than not seeing it, which is kind of level one visibility, if you will, basic visibility. I was blind and now I can see. I think that was a song (laughs) at some point. But in this case, visibility, it's really more visibility into the data, visibility into the analysis and analytics, getting insight to make different decisions. But ultimately, it comes down to someone with that insight making a decision. In this case, it's we're going to reroute the trucks. Like we are? Yeah. 
Who's going to do that? Well, you got to tell me someone's going to do it. Someone's got to be empowered with that information to make the call, to make the truck, instead of going to the port, it's going to location number two. And until that kind of thing happens, the value is kind of fluffy and it kind of floats around. You have to really use the visibility and the data and the insight to translate into process change. And that's where you get the savings. I would guess that there's potentially software at that origin place, like a transportation management system of some sort, right? For sure, that, yeah. that helps do that. In some cases, there's some sophisticated analysis that goes on. In this case, it was actually a little simpler. This happened to be on the bills of lading that come in actually capturing, which is not typically done, but capturing actually the volume metrics on that document. So there's some data quality work to go on around that to make sure that happens and then doing some math, but there's software and visibility. And, you know, a lot of times it's not rocket science, but it's getting the data out from all that old EDI that's been around for years, putting it into a central repository, central place and letting people look at it for the first time. Right. What's funny, that story echoes things I've seen in the past. When you hear about value cases and supply chain visibility, it's very high up there, very sexy, very academic, right? This is sort of a very meat and potatoes, very basic thing, yet there's potentially a lot of money at stake. Yeah, there is. It's funny because it's kind of the paradigm that innovation itself sounds fluffy, but the reality is that it needs to be very credible. I heard a great story when I was in junior high school. It's another little case study, I'll tell you. You know the company Benetton? They make sweaters? beautiful or horrible, whatever you call them, the bright pink and green and fuchsia sweaters. You know, I remember walking through the mall in junior high school, as you do as a kid and passing that store and just being amazed by like, who's going to buy the lime green sweater? And sure enough, in three or four weeks, it was gone because the lime green sweater went out of fashion and it was purple or pink or whatever it was. And that company was in some serious problems early on. I think they almost went out of business. And it was a very simple logistics problem because they found not surprisingly, before kind of fast fashion was probably a thing, that with a really bright sweater, it goes in and out of fashion quickly. And if you're making that thing overseas, which they were doing, and shipping it across, by the time customer demand changes, you've got containers full of fuchsia sweaters that no one wants to buy anymore. And believe me, once fuchsia goes out on a sweater, it's not coming back in style for a long time. So they actually did something very pragmatic, very uh, logical to change their whole business supply chain. Put you on the spot. Any... uh, Any ideas? I can't possibly imagine because I wasn't born then. (laughs) Touche. They did what I'll call a very traditional postponement strategy. And all they did is they said, well, let's ship the sweaters white and we'll dye them at destination. So they started, instead of dyeing all these sweaters at origin in crazy colors that match demand and putting them on boats that took 45 days to come across, they shipped them all over in basically grayish cotton, which is white. And then they dyed them in the US or wherever they were going, which was a little more expensive, of course but not nearly as expensive as having all this inventory sitting around that was becoming obsolete. It was just a very pragmatic, concrete example of how data and insight, you bring your changes in a demand signal, right? When it's variable, you got to react and you can't react overseas. You got to react close to home. This is supply chain 101. We see it all the time. So your sweater story makes me think of another industry, which is the high value fashion retail vertical, right? And there's all those companies that make all the stuff that we wear. It's highly seasonal. It's changing all the time. You don't know what's hot. You don't know what's not. Do you have any good war stories from the field from that industry based on what you've been doing lately? I won't mention their name, but another retail apparel company. And again, this is a classic visibility with a capital V, which is not just wiring a bunch of stuff together and seeing stuff and seeing inventory and then saying, okay, people could see stuff, they would make better decisions, and then the inventory would magically go away, which it actually does. But for me, that's a cop-out. You got to explain to me the magic. How is it really going? Give me an example. And with this customer, they said, well, we need to set up new facilities. So what do you mean new facilities? New facilities. We're building buildings. 
So they have my attention. When you're building a building, it's very concrete. So they said at destination, again, this was happened to be freight coming into the U.S. and they're going to roll it out globally. Again, it's similar to the Benetton story. It's a little bit about postponement, but we need to ship all this stuff into basically these facilities at destination. And then we're going to postpone the decision on what we do with them. So this freight comes into these transload facilities, if you will. And people look at visibility through technology and understand what's coming and what the demand is against that stuff. And then they basically say it's going left or right, to keep it simple. Left, it's going into a warehouse. And right, it's going directly to a store. And this is, again, simple. Rocket science. Before you do this, everything goes directly to the warehouse. Or maybe at origin, you tell it it's going to go to the store. But that's, again, 45 days early. So if you can postpone that decision, get a better insight to where demand is, and kind of that fork in the road, put it at destination as opposed to at origin, then you can hire people to do it and they need insight to know what goes left and what goes right. So they have to look at the data and what's coming in today. And then it gets very pragmatic. You're looking at data every single day and someone's got a new job and you got to have a comp plan for them and they wake up in the morning and then you're in the meat and potatoes of making a different decision. If that freight goes directly to the store and gets sold as opposed to going into a warehouse and being stocked and then being pulled out of the warehouse and going to the store and getting sold, what is that, two, three, four days of transit? That's inventory out of your supply chain. That's hard dollars. Right. And what's also probably inventory that you didn't have to write off because it's late. That's right. The season's shifted. It's back to school time or something. That's right. And it's overhead carrying costs in your warehouse and there's all kinds. And I think in supply chain, a lot of people do get a little bit lazy because the value is actually there, but it just, it's academically interesting for me to peel it apart a little bit and see where's it really coming from. This sounds really cool, but it also sounds like something that somebody could have done 10 years ago. What's different about technology today that's making all this possible that, say, wasn't here 20 years ago? Yeah, I think there's a number of things. One is this data that you're talking about, it's kind of shared data. So it's data, it's not just your Benetton sweater, you know, it's not just your order or your invoice or your shipment manifest. These are data objects, if you will, that kind of get updated by different people along the supply chain. So your suppliers update it and your banks update it and your 3PLs and your freight forwarders and your air, ocean truck rail, you name it. And that's one of the kind of cool things that's really happened with the web and cloud. It's not so much that it's cool and it's wireless and it's web. It's really that the data model has moved outside of the enterprise into the cloudosphere or whatever you want to call it, which again, that object can be updated. And that actually changes the level of insight you can get. That's the first piece. And the second piece, I would say, it's just really a impatience with the user community. They're at home on the weekends looking at Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat, and they like to come to work and see data visualizations in a way that's kind of fun and cool and allows me to make a better decision. So I think that combination of getting kind of the data into a place, sticking it out into the cloud where it can be acted upon, and then being able to present it visually in ways that are a little more humanly approachable. That's probably the deadly duo I've said that's, uh, right, that makes right. a difference. Pretty cool stuff going on out there. I guess that's the headline here, right? There's very cool stuff going on and it's not as much smoke and mirrors and magic if you continue to peel the onion, ask the hard questions. And when you find the person saying, well, it's visibility. Ask about six more questions to see how they're really changing their processes. Right. And there's value there. It's lots of money to be saved. It's a fun place to yeah, be. It's funny because I often hear that you start a project with a vision in mind of what the value is going to be, but you get into it and you find six other things you never would have thought of That's because right. you couldn't see. I talked about a long time ago where a lot of these tools and technologies are like fishing rods where you know you have to fish and you may think you're fishing for salmon and you may not catch a salmon and you may catch 14 other kinds of fish. And that's fantastic. You can get smarter and have more insight and keep on fishing. And there's a lot of fish in the proverbial pond, if you will, a lot of value out there. Right. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show. I appreciate it. My pleasure. This is Greg Kiefer, Supply Chain Radio. We are signing off. (laughs) 